That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Say, can you see? That's is that how you're well, bringing church this Sunday, Jake? Yes, we just got our brand new American flag, and uh, you know this is the biggest day in American Christianity. I love what Stanley Hauerwas once said. He said, um, he said, a Fourth of July is a bigger holiday in your church than the Feast of the Ascension. Um, I have to question your Christianity. Yeah, don't he, people. We're gonna like you know. Uh, we are grateful for the ideals contained in the Declaration of Independence in the Constitution of the United States, and we are yes. glad that we live in this country and all that it means. I'm proud to be an American. Jake yeah. and I have traveled the world, and we've seen lots of things, and uh, we are grateful that we live and where we, we live. And we currently are. Yes. Yeah, that's right. As you're listening to this, we are probably not in the United States of America, as we are on sabbaticals. Not with each other, again, just to be clear. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, that sounds like fun, though. I know it would be a blast. We should we should have worked that into our planning. Um, the uh, the reason that Jake and I are a bit uh, down on overly patriotic displays in church is because we believe that the United States of America, like every nation on the earth, uh, will come and go. And mm-hmm. God is not an American. God loves the Iranians. God loves the ancient Egyptians. God loves the Chinese. God loves. Um, uh, the uh, the people who live in Tarahumara in uh, in but, Mexico. Uh, God loves everybody, but, and and has no well, pr- not the Dutch. Well, except he hates for the Dutch yeah, for some reason. R.J. Heyman, if you're listening, <laughs> take note. Um, there's, uh, Do you remember that from Goldfinger? I don't. Like, I need to see it. He's like uh, he's like two things I cannot stand: <laughs> people who hate other people and the Dutch. <laughs> yes, that's right. So. Uh, God loves everybody, and he, and political stuff is so temporary and so yeah. so much of kind of this age. It's such a human well, project. So so and there's such a false narrative out there floating around in this country, almost that we are like some sort of new Israel, and that we have been established by God as this kind of, you know, it's almost like I mean, it's a it's a really dangerous mixing of politics and religion, and uh, somehow these kind of Almost, you know, our history has become almost fable in the sense of, you know, somehow all of these guys were anointed Christians and, you know, we've, you know, and setting up a Christian nation and failing to realize that, I mean, most of the guys signed the Declaration of Independence were kind of lapsed Christians at best. Yeah, and Ben Franklin, Deist, kind of a turd. Uh, also, uh, <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. Deist. Yeah. Deist. Yeah. When, uh, never forget, when Thomas Jefferson was elected president, uh, pastors all across this country went outside and wept because they saw it as, a, they saw it as a, a, an ominous sign for uh, the future of their ministry because um, uh, they did not trust him as far as they could throw him. 
And so, um, but anyway, just, I mean, we're thankful that we live in a land of liberty. We are thankful for the many blessings uh, that God has given us in this country, but we don't worship this country, nor is this country a theocracy that's just kind of gone astray. And so, um, and so we keep the main thing the main thing. You can have maybe an extended coffee hour with some lemonade and, uh, you know, fried chicken or something like that. But, um, but uh, keep the main thing the main thing, and that is that we belong to the Israel of God, and, uh, and our king is Jesus. Yeah, and, uh, you know, in terms of hymnody uh, in the national hymns, if you're in the Episcopal Church, there are some hymns in the hymnal that are those kind of patriotic songs. Uh, my rule is always, if you're singing to God, thanking him for and praying for your nation, that's okay. Uh if you are singing to your country, that's where it gets a little problematic. <laughs> so yeah. uh, make sure you're thanking God for your country and praying to God for your country. Uh, and don't think your country is better than anyone else's uh, because it ain't. And there are Christian brothers and sisters all over the world who, you know what? We all have liberty in Christ no matter what the government uh, does or says, mm. which is the most important form of, um, of, of liberty. So, the freedom we have in Christ. That's good. So, well, an, end, see, of, um, end of patriotic uh, speech. Now we move yeah. into the readings. Jake, so yeah, what were you going to say before I rudely well, cut our you readings off? Are, no, no, I'm just going to say our readings are from 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 and 9 and 10. Very exciting. And then we have uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2, 1 through 10. Very mystical. And then we have uh, Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. And... Uh, very hometowny, and uh, mm-hmm. and so, but Second uh, Samuel is almost, if you will, kind of a coronation event going on. This is where um, really um, God is establishing David as um, as king of Israel. That's right. So he was anointed by Samuel the prophet a long, long time ago. Remember Samuel? The book's name for Samuel, mm-hmm. though you barely hear of him after the first few chapters, but. Um, uh, now David is really, now that Saul is dead, David's going to become king. And uh, I think the thing to note here, uh, there's, not, there's not a lot to work with here. I mean, it is uh, this idea of shepherd. Again, this will point us to Christ. And also the fact that David is 30 years old when he becomes king. Mm-hmm. Um, that will kind of set a pattern, a paradigm, a template that Jesus would step into. Of course, later on, when they think Jesus is the son of David, the ancestor, the, the descendant of David, and, um, which he is through Joseph, uh, in a sense, though not a biological one, uh, there's this expectation when Jesus begins his ministry at 30 years old that he will become the new David, that he'll become king. And so that's where a lot of this happens. So anyways, uh, that's, uh, that's kind of what you got here. It's not a lot. It's kind of mercifully short after some really, really long readings from First and Second Samuel over this uh, time. So yeah. uh, I think that's that. I think there's a... There's a there's a couple of things you know if you could, you wanted to talk about on the side if you really wanted to stretch this sucker out. I mean, you could talk about the distinction between uh, power and authority here, you know, and that um, Saul was kind of the embodiment of power and the misuse of power. Um, but you know, and anybody can uh, 
run around with power. But what you're beginning to see here in this particular passage is a, a distinction of leadership, whether it's in pastoral ministry or or politics, but the, the giving of an authority. And so he's given this authority by uh, uh, the people, asked them to be the shepherd of Israel. But the most important thing here is that David became greater and greater, not because he was doing his best and God was doing the rest, but for the Lord, the God of hosts was with him. Uh, you know, uh, this is God's plan. And uh, God had given him not only both the power and the authority to lead lead this nation. Uh, we're going to see how that, 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 that fails in the best of hands as you continue to read on. But um, that is a very important distinction here. And uh, David is um, given an anointed and given authority by the people. But most importantly, he grows greater and greater in power because the Lord God of hosts was with him. Yeah, and I think the other thing that you can point to, again, on 4th of July, just thinking through those themes, you can tell your congregation that this is the, David will be the high point of the uh, Jewish monarchy in Israel. Like, it doesn't get any better. Even Solomon, who gets to take over a country that's much bigger and richer than David does, uh, Solomon uh, will begin a downward spiral with his... um, relationship with his concubines and his descent into Mm. idolatry and it never quite comes back like it'll it sort of will have some good points but mostly bad points and it never does what the monarchy never does what it's supposed to do the country ends Mm. in civil war split in two and then gets taken over by the babylonians and the assyrians and so on this day when we're tempted to look to national power as being the thing that will save us and make everything perfect this story uh, of David will clearly show that that's not the case. So this is the point where they, before they get disillusioned, this is the point where they think it's going to go yes. great and solve all their problems. But <laughs> again, it, it's not going to happen. And this is why when Jesus does begin his ministry at 30 years old, he doesn't try to be David 2.0 in that he doesn't try to have another like Jewish monarchy and political power and military power and make the world right through political and military power because it didn't work. It never works. It's not going to work this time. It didn't work last time. So Jesus rejects all attempts that people uh, try to make him king, uh, to start a revolution against the Roman Empire. He's just not interested in political power. So Christian church, take note. Uh, political power will Amen. not save you. And we can be thankful for our country and all that, but it's it's not ultimately going to be the thing. And by the way, one final little PS to our thing at the top of the podcast we're talking about how you talk about 4th of July in your congregation. Just be aware in your congregation that there are people for whom their experience of the United States of America's history has not been the same as everybody else's. So um, if there are people in your congregation who have... Uh, have family members overseas who have been on the other end of an American drone bombing, if there are people in your congregation who have um, uh, people that were interred by the United States in World War II, if you have people who die in the congregation whose ancestors died in the Holocaust because the United States would not accept the boat of refugees uh, that was trying to land in New York Harbor um, in the late 1930s, uh, if you have people of Native American descent who might not have experienced... uh, they might not have liked those blankets uh, coated with smallpox that Andrew Jackson gave them. So just know that everybody has had not the same experience with the United States of America. And it doesn't mean you can't be thankful for the ideas and the high points of our history, the amazing accomplishments. But just know that the United States, is, if you're a Christian, you believe in original sin and you believe in the fact that that affects everybody. And if it's an organization run by people, it will make mistakes. And that has been true for the United States of America. Uh, as all human institutions. So uh, just tread carefully. End of rant number two. (laughs) 
<laughs> Do you have any other illustrations? Uh, no, I so, think I'm, I'm fresh out. I mean, we could talk about we could talk about Tuskegee. We could talk about all kinds stuff. of things. But uh, Tulsa, it just so, goes on and on. But anyway, so but praise God. Second <laughs> Corinthians chapter twelve, verses two through ten. Now this is a. Uh, a very, very interesting uh, passage, um, especially because you got to read this as, in light of the context of where Paul has just kind of, you know, he's just finished it. Essentially, he lays out his resume and then he's like, but it's all rubbish. Mm-hmm. You know, he's uh, finished uh, his boasting and now um, he is kind of tying this into a uh, super apostle um, argument. But can I read his resume just really quick? Do it says, as are they Hebrews, so am I. Are they Israelites, so am I. Are they the seed of Abraham, so am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as one beside himself. I'm more so. In labors more abundantly, in prison more abundantly, in stripes above measure, in death often. Five times from the Jews I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. I've been a night and day in the deep. I have been in travels, often perils of river, perils of robber, perils of my countrymen, perils from Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brothers, in labor and travail and watching often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, and in cold nakedness. Besides those things that are outside, there is that which presses on me daily, anxiety for all the churches. I mean, talk about your best life now. I knew this girl in college named Peril. Mm. Spelled differently, <laughs> so I kept thinking about it. I was like, man, this would be a bummer for her if she visited church this Sunday. So, I mean, you know, you see uh, Paul is basically laying out his resume for these guys where these guys are like, listen, look how awesome I am. Look at my this. Look at my that. Uh, Paul's like, let me just boast in something real and uh, what really happens, what life is actually all about. And then he gets into this kind of like mystical passage that um, can oftentimes be accusing uh, and not accusing, confusing. Yeah, so the super apostles were bragging, and so Paul's like, look, I can brag too. And by the way, I have the biggest brag of them all. I was taken up in a vision to see God. But God, Paul is so, <clears throat> he's legitimately humble, and he can, he's got this awareness of how human beings like to puff themselves up, and he sees that tendency in himself, so he, he wants to kind of counteract it a little bit. So he's going to brag about this biggest thing that happens to him. He sort of feels foolish even doing it. Um, uh, you know, that's why he says in this passage, if I wish to, uh, like, um, I will not boast. Ex- well, so anyways, um, he, I was actually thinking of another passage where he talks about, like, I'm out of my mind and I'm boasting just, uh, I'm, I'm doing this for your sake, but I feel like a crazy person doing it. Anyways, it's not in this passage. I was conflating in my head. But he does say, he does put it in the third person here. Uh, he says, um, I know a person. Uh, he says, I know a guy. Uh, it's really him. It's, he's talking about himself. <laughs> and he's talking about a time 14 years ago, early in his ministry, before his first missionary journey, where he was given a vision. He says, I was caught up to the third heaven. And this is not upholding sort of a, um, a vision of heaven that's like a multi-story building and there's different levels of heaven. Um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and other organizations sometimes have a conception of heaven that has levels. This is basically speaking in first century terms that, you know, they could see that there was a sky where birds were flying. That's kind of the first level. They could also see there was a place much higher than that where the moon, the sun, and the stars were. 
And then they knew there was a realm that could not be seen that was, in, in some sense, if not physically, um, metaphysically above that, uh, a heavenly realm. So he's saying, I got into that heavenly realm, what he calls paradise. That's a loan word from Persian language. And it's what Jesus uses to talk to the thief on the cross next to him. Uh, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Um, and he says, I saw that, and I can't even tell you about it, because, and he even says that the vision was so ephemeral, he says, I don't know if I was in my body or out of my body, I don't, I don't really know, and, I, and I'm not even allowed to tell you what I saw, but he, so he says that happened, he doesn't even want to say it, he puts it in the third person, and he's going to spend much more time talking about his weaknesses, and he says, I'd much rather talk not about my accomplishments, but my failures, and not like it's- a humble brag, but like, I really, like, this is, I'm really weak. Yeah, it's almost like Paul is like, you know, kind of like Sugar, Sugar Ray Leonard used to box. You know, he's he's getting them to look at his right hand, you know, and they're they're thinking he's going to, you know, hit them with some... Because this would have caught everybody's attention because this was a big thing with the super apostles, these spiritual experiences. And Paul's just laid out this real suffering. He's like, but let me just tell you, I know a guy, like you said. And he, you know, and they think that he's going to build his whole case on why you should follow him because he's been to this, you know, this realm. But he goes on behalf of such a one, I will boast. I mean, I will not boast except of my weakness and just boom, delivers it home. This is, you know, he's really making the push here that it is not about a super experience. The Christian faith is not about a super experience. The Christian faith is not about your spirituality or your strength, but rather the Christian faith is about your weakness. Yeah, and he talks about this thorn given him in the flesh, and no one knows what it is or what it was. some people think it was... I do. It oh, was smoking. Yeah. He was at smoking. You know, three packs a day, Marlboro. He would actually rip the filter off. Uh, and he, right. he tried to quit, but he just the Nicorette wouldn't do it. So, yeah, we don't know Chocolate what it is. Chocolate cake. It was Chocolate cake. Something, it was likely something <laughs> physical. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, That, once again, these guys could point to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was and, a hindrance and, to And him. he says that, um, uh, you know, he asked... God to relieve it, which makes me think it wasn't like some people think it was poor eyesight. Um, I I doubt that that's what it was. Like I think it, it was chocolate. <laughs> I think there was something uh, really significant. And he says he calls it a messenger of Satan to torment me. Uh, it humbles him, and so much so that three times he he pleaded with God that it would be removed. And God's response: My grace is sufficient for you. For my power mm. is made perfect. Is made perfect in weakness. And this is such again a front to what we often the, the parts of scripture we cherry pick, like in like Paul's writing in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which is actually a statement about like again about power in weakness and about yeah. God getting you through when you're at the very bottom of your uh, rope. So yeah. this isn't this is Christians. We boast in our weakness. We boast in our failure. This is. Because this is where God works. This, it's, as he says at the end, whenever I'm weak, then I'm strong. Then and this I'm strong. is, gosh, talking about Independence Flip-flop Day, like this is the, gospel, op- yeah. it's the opposite of what Americans like to think Christianity is. And, you know, we like to boast in our strength and we're the best and we're number one. And that's the opposite of Christianity. Uh, so about 10 years ago, I remember uh, 
gosh, it was probably longer than that. Holy smokes. We used to, um, I used to do a podcast uh, called The Two Words back in the early days of podcasts. And anyway, there was an article we were uh, commenting on on um, a church, a Pentecostal church in Brazil, that was drawing young men into the church uh, through uh, mixed martial arts. Ooh. So I guess the pastor was a former mixed martial artist. And so he would invite like people from the congregation, men like once a week to get in the congregation, where he would just shred them in a fight. <laughs> that was like part of the win. And then they'd have the worship going while he was like kicking their A. And then, um, and then uh. he would get up afterwards and preach a sermon, you know, and he would preach. And I mean, this is like, the exact opposite of what St. Paul is talking about. If that man wanted to do like the real church, it would have been, he would have gotten beaten up. And then afterwards, uh, uh, got up and talked about the gospel and said, all I have is Jesus. But um, anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> that's just- Now we know it, what staff but meetings are like at Calvary St. George's. Really, but uh, you know, it just reminds me, I mean, you're right. I think in a lot of sermons this Sunday, it's gonna be flags and fireworks. It's going to be about being strong, holding it together, you know, you doing your part to keep America a Christian nation. And this is the exact opposite of what Jesus is, ta or what St. Paul is talking about here. Uh, rather, here we, we boast in our weakness, uh, in, in insults and hardship. And this enables us to confess, you know, I mean, and, uh, and really be a nation filled with Christians that have something to repent for and to receive forgiveness and know that God's grace is all sufficient for you and for me, and uh, and uh, his blood covers everything. Yeah, and it's so interesting. He says, I am content with weaknesses. Mm. I am content with insults. I am content with hardships and persecutions for the sake of Christ. I don't know many Christians who could say that, and I think yeah. a lot of us, um, you know, we think if somebody at Starbucks says, happy holidays, or they give us a cup that doesn't have a distinguishable Christian symbol on it, we're being persecuted. Um, one, you're not being persecuted. Nobody's going to arrest you for being a Christian. Second, where is, the, where is this attitude that we see in St. Paul? I'm content mm. with weaknesses mm. because it makes me rely on Christ. I'm content <clears throat> with persecutions because our Lord Jesus Christ was persecuted. I don't have to fight. Yep this stuff. Um, Amen. I can be content with it uh, I, for the sake of Christ, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I don't know, uh -huh. I don't know the strength of God until I have a reason to know the strength of God. <laughs> mm. Mm. That's really good. So, so we keep well, we undermining 4th of July, and again, we love <laughs> our country and are grateful that we live here, but but the way it's celebrated is often at odds with the understanding yeah. of the world that with comes the from the gospel. So. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Oh, so, by the way, um, can I tell one little story? Not if it's bashing on the country anymore. It's I'm not. It's not. It. It's not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so uh, when I was in college, I, I met a homeless woman. After church, uh, we were at a, at a McDonald's uh, right in Boston Common. And as I entered the McDonald's, a homeless woman asked me for a cup of coffee. And I was like, sure. Jeez, Jake. I know. Every episode. The riffs are at it again. <laughs> okay. Lord, have mercy and help whoever that vehicle is going to, that ambulance. Um, so this homeless woman asked me for coffee, so I got her some coffee, and I brought it out, and we started chatting or whatever. And she, uh, maybe she had seen me come from church. Maybe she was a divine messenger. I don't know. But somehow she convinced me to come and uh, walk around with her in downtown Boston at night and see what the homeless world was sort of like. 
And so I did that. I asked my friend to come with me who was in the wrestling team in case we got into any trouble. And uh, we went down all these alleys and like loading docks where like all these people hang out that you never see during the daytime. And uh, she was an addict. She was an alcoholic and she was addicted to crack. Um, But she also would wander the streets of Boston at night. Like when homeless people pass out, she would pull their blankets back up over them. She would check and make sure they were okay. And um, just was sort of this shepherd of the sheep out there. And she was a Christian and an addict. And that blew my mind because at that point, I thought only good people could be Christians. And if you were a Christian, it made you a good person. And you couldn't be like her. Mm. Um, and then I came back to this thing. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. It is in my weaknesses that I boast. It's in the places where yeah. I need the grace of God. And this woman just exemplified that. And she gave me a prophetic word at the end. She said, your A needs to hit the bottom of the barrel a few times, Aaron. That's what your problem <laughs> is. And she was exactly right. Um, but anyway, so for people that are hitting the bottom that's of the a barrel. Powerful, that's a powerful, powerful illustration. Well, yeah. And so there it is. I mean, it, it's in our weaknesses that that we meet Christ and it's in our, it's, you know, that's, that's the whole deal. And this is what Paul says. And it's not about, mm-hmm. I, they talk about muscular Christianity and all that sort of stuff. I mean, that's at odds with what we see here in St. Paul. So always come back yep. to second Corinthians. Mm. That's good. All right. I, uh, I remember, well, I'll, no, I'll right. tell the story. Yeah. Another. No, no, it's fine. Okay. So anyway, um, I, one time, uh, when I was uh, in seminary in Pittsburgh, um, I gave a homeless guy a ride home. Well, but I didn't make it to his home cause he was a uh, schizophrenic and he started screaming at me in the car and scared me to death. And I had to let him out at the grocery store and then I drove away and I don't know whatever happened to that man, but I was, I was shaken to my core and, um, yeah. So there you go. We all, yeah. we all have our, we all have our experiences. So, yep. um, Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, um, we see here, this is, um, well, this is an interesting passage, and I think it's a uh, um, compare and contrast almost between Jesus in his hometown and uh, Jesus and the disciples. That's so, right. But Jesus, Jesus rolls up to his disciples, and it, Jesus rolls into his hometown, and his disciples follow Nazareth. him. Nazareth. And he begins to teach in the Sabbath, uh, on the Sabbath in the synagogue. Of course, here he comes, the hometown hero, you know, the big, big deal. And uh, all of a sudden, though, people begin to kind of, you know, where did this man get all of this? Who does he think he is? You know, like, what is, isn't this the, you know, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph? And these are all true, true statements. But, um, you know, it's almost as if you see here kind of, like how it works out existentially, kind of um, familiarity can breed contempt. And actually familiarity um, can, uh, can breed uh, an ignorance about Jesus. Yes, he mm-hmm. is the son of Mary, but he's also the son of God. And, um, and it's just, you know, and Jesus here is just amazed at their unbelief. But then you have this, like, this other side here where then he sends the 12 out and he gives them authority over unclean spirits and, you know, orders them to, uh, you know, take nothing but bread, et cetera, et cetera, and dust the feet off when they're rejected. But this is, this is the interesting thing, I think, one, one, one thing that's going on here that you could preach on is that you know, uh, uh, that Jesus is always uh, sending people out and uh, he's sending them out with his authority and he's sending them out with his power. And, uh, and that's what he does, you know, and, um, and there's no room for failure. Uh, um, It's, uh, you know, uh, it is, we, 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 we are sent out to proclaim this gospel. 
Yeah, and the thing that strikes me about this is how he sends them out, you know, coming back to what St. Paul said, he sends them out intentionally with instructions mm. that will put them in a position of weakness and dependence. So mm. he says, don't take any supplies. Don't, don't let it be so that you can um, rely on your own strength. Wherever you go, you will have so little supplies that you'll have to stay with other people. You'll have to interact with them. You'll have to make yourself a recipient of their hospitality. You're going to have to make yourself dependent on other people as opposed to independence, self-sufficiency, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, I can take care of myself, I don't need anybody uh, attitude. It is go go needing a handout. I want you to have to take a handout. Mm. I don't want you to be self-sufficient. That's pretty amazing. And it makes it so that they cannot come in a position of superiority. Hey, we have the message right. that will save you. Like, actually, no, we need help from you. And this is, if you ever know somebody who's in a successful ministry or a missionary, um, and there have been bad missionaries, but they're also very good missionaries. And um, the ones that are good are ones that come that respect and they come humbly and come to learn as much as they come to teach. And this is the attitude that he sends them out with. Um, and to address their very real needs, uh, curing illnesses and casting out demons, uh, taking care of the sick. And this shows, again, that Christianity is not a movement about amassing power. Uh, it's a movement about caring for people in the parts of their lives that are really, really hard. Uh, and this is this is what he sends them out to do. Uh, mm. Yeah, and that, the other thing, just about the hometown thing, I do have a thought. If there's anybody listening who is trying to convert a family member, stop because you will not be successful. Um, many uh, you know, teenagers who meet Jesus at summer camp come home and they want to convert mom and dad or convert their sisters. Um, or, or maybe you have been working on a sibling for many, many years. Uh, and it, it does happen occasionally, but it's pretty rare because oftentimes yeah. when you're related to somebody, it's too close, you see too much, and it, there's not that that distance that allows you to kind of consider something. It's why when your mom gives you perfectly good advice, you like you can't hear it and you can't take it, but if your friend tells you the same thing, uh, you know, your mom's like, take these turmeric supplements, they're really gonna help your inflammation. Like, ah, oh, mom, that's hogwash. But you read it in Men's Health Magazine, you're like, oh, maybe I'll try those turmeric supplements. So, uh, you know, just uh, just note that, it, you know, in family members, uh, the main thing is to pray for them and to love them and to listen to them. Uh, mm. Them knowing you a Christian is probably enough. The more you try to force it on them, the more they'll resist it. So, um, uh, yeah, don't try to be the prophet in your own hometown. If it didn't work for Jesus, it won't work for you. Final thing on this, some people say that because of their unbelief, Jesus isn't able to do anything. Like, again, like that old thing I talk about all the time, the belief that our faith is the magic lever that makes God give us what we want. Um, I will point out that Jesus is actually totally able to heal people. He does cure sick people in his hometown of Nazareth. So um, this, your lack of faith does not constrain God's power. What the message here is that they just didn't want his help. They just didn't ask for it. They didn't, they weren't, they just didn't want it. They thought they were fine. So uh, that's my last thing on this, on this passage. Wow. Well, that is a uh, perfect place to stop. And so until then, have a happy 4th of July, and, um, and, uh, and uh, we will see you all very next week. Bye. Somebody's looking, somebody cares, somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone.
Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.